I'm Kate Daniels. It's a privilege to have renowned author Thomas Moore join us this morning. He is also a university professor and a psychotherapist, a ponderer, a thinker on the deeper meaning of life. His book, Care of the Soul, was a New York Times bestseller. Today, Thomas Moore joins us to share some insights into Ageless Soul, the lifelong journey toward meaning and joy. Thomas Moore, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. I'm very happy to be with you. And I am deeply honored to be with you and to be able to share your latest book, but to to really be... Um, with you to to talk about life and the soul and experiences because you've certainly dedicated your life to uh, what would I say the exploration to the living to the searching to the writing about and helping us to really find uh, some of that uh, what the the ground below our feet and maybe to be able to rise up and and live life wonderfully. Yes, I've. I've written many books now. It's almost 30 books at this point. And it's a, it's kind of a work, you know. It's a working through things that I'm hoping will help people out. And now I've turned to aging, kind of understandably, because um, I'm 77 now and I'm thinking about those things. And in the process of this, yes, ageless soul is of aging. And uh, what's uh, really interesting and important for us is the awareness that I think you are seeking for us to find ourselves is that aging isn't just something that happens later on in life. It's really a process that is with us right from the beginning. Yes, you start aging at the very beginning. And I distinguish between aging, like many people do, between aging and and growing older. Uh, You can get old, but doesn't mean you've aged. So you go through experiences in life that start at the very beginning. And so my book is really, even though I do focus a lot on older people, but it's really for everybody. And I've been happy to hear from younger people who have benefited from it because, as you say, we're always aging. And and if you want to have good years when you get older, it's a good idea to really know how to age when you're young. And yes, definitely. And that's why it's really important for younger people to embrace this book. If we perhaps are older and we find ourselves uh, in some kind of angst or anxiety, then it's definitely a book to pick up because uh, you do that exploration, as you said. You take us through your own journey and, you know, we go back and forth in time with, with such great stories and examples of how we can relate to apply this to our life. Isn't that right? Yes, that's true. I I really try not to, you know, it's hard for a writer, I try not to put too much of myself into it, but on the other hand, I think a little bit's good, because I know what I've been through, and uh, I know what has helped me age, and I think that those stories have some weight to them. On the other hand, I did uh, make a point to interview many people when I wrote this book, and I have some interesting interviews, I think, or at least uh, references. Um for example, I, I had a telephone conversation with the music composer, Bert Bacharach, and uh, it was great to talk to someone like him who is in his 80s and still performing as he was when he was younger. And uh, that's really interesting to me, how people age. And um, But actually, you know, they're, they're very much like they were when, maybe 50 years ago. 
and yet they're able to get older and um, and not lose what they've had and to keep at it, keep at their work. And some people might say, well, you know, that's Burt Backrack or some other perhaps uh, high-profile person, maybe even yourself, an author. Well, that's different because you have these really wonderful professions. But me, you know, I've just been doing some clerical work or, you know, I've been on an assembly line all these years. So how can I possibly have that kind of retirement? Yes, well, you know, everybody is an interesting person. Uh, I base a lot of my stories on uh, people I know from my therapy practice. And, you know, these are ordinary people, you know, not, not, not having exceptional positions. And it's clear to me, after all these years of doing this, that everyone, I don't care who you are and how slow it has been to get your life together, everyone is very, very deep and complex and very rich. I, I love working with, with people of all different backgrounds because I know that, that. I know that as we get talking, we're going to find out what a rich background and how deep their emotions and their, their memories go. And perhaps there's the the real encouragement and heart of it for any of us is to realize then that that aging, not the growing old, but aging, realizing that we do have all of that within us and to acknowledge it. Yes. Uh, so what I do is I, I'm, I divide that up into two parts, aging, in that, the way you're talking about it now. The first part is to, um, is to take life on. If you want to age well, to take life on. I think we all get invitations all along, all throughout our lives. We get invitations to move here and move there and not be stuck, not stay in one place forever. I mean, I don't mean that, I don't mean you have to move around physically, but we do, we do have opportunities to shift a bit. And it takes some courage and some, uh, some vision to be able to make those changes. And I think that has a lot to do with aging. The other part of it is, that we need to reflect on what we've experienced. So I know as a therapist that many people are still struggling with memories from their childhood and in relation to their parents. I mean, I work with people in their 60s and 70s and 80s who are still working through those early childhood and family relationships. And I think it's really important. You never, you never get them solved. You know, that's not the point. But you can work them through by talking about them and especially by having someone to talk to, even if it's a close friend. You know, you don't, have to need, you don't need a professional, but someone to talk to openly and honestly about the experiences you've had. Because what happens is in that situation, we're stuck at that age, at that time, and not able to enjoy what is at hand. Exactly, yes. You, uh, in a way, we get stuck in those places because we haven't really solved the, the problem. Something may happen at an early age. And, you know, a lot of us have experiences that are pretty difficult. I, t- I talk about some of mine in this book. Early on, I start, they start when I was four years old and was in, a, in an accident where my grandfather drowned and I almost drowned. Um, that's something that stays with you. I mean, that, that, the memory of that, uh, that accident is so fresh in my mind at 77. happened when I was four years old. I can't talk enough about that. I mean, I don't want to keep 
doing it all the time, but what I mean is that every once in a while to be able to talk about that experience. And it allows me to think it through a little more deeply and resolve some of the um, raw emotion that's contained in it. And it's that example is like any of us have different things that occur in our life that are that are traumas, that are challenges, and that are basically an opportunity too, right? That that shape us for the future. Well, that's really an excellent point. I'm glad you brought that up because the goal is not to have a problem-free life and not have these traumatic experiences. They happen. I mean, that's your fate. You know, it's no way of of choosing those, that kind of thing. But once you have it, what you have to do somehow is know that this is who I am, and you embrace it, but at the same time you need to be free of it so you're not acting it out. The thing is, when you have a, a, a difficult experience earlier in life, it could happen in your teens or 20s too, it might affect you so much that you continue to live that pattern in relationship with other people, or in your work, or in some other area. It's funny how these early experiences sort of, they give us a pattern that we continue to repeat. And that can cause a lot of trouble. So what we want to do is not get away entirely from the experience, but to have some insight into it so we don't have to unconsciously repeat it again and again. And there is then psychotherapy is certainly a great process to do it for yourself. You took time that you spent time as a monk, and that helped you through your healing, did it not? Yes, it brought up some other problems, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, it uh, it helped me with my, my life a great deal because I learned you know, how to live kind of a kind of a peaceful and quiet life. I don't want to say it was internally peaceful, but it was generally a peaceful life, and I I loved it, and I'm so glad that I had that experience. I was a monk for about 13 years in my youth, and it stays with me, and I still try to live a monk's life in my own way. I know it makes me kind of a weird character in some ways. I like to be alone. I like quiet. You know, I love being a writer because I can sit here at my computer and write all day long. Not all day long, but as much as I can. And um, that's part of the monk in me, and monks do that. You know, monks have, for centuries have been known to be people who spend their time around books and writing and discussing important things. And certainly it feels so peaceful. I, I'm not sure it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, well, it, <laughs> what I mean that it's, it's, you know, it's not a normal life. It's, uh, it's like, it's socially it can be a bit difficult, you know, to be cut off from, from ordinary living. And uh, and also, um, people who are drawn to the life of the monk are not always the most stable people. So you have to, you know, you live with people who are a little bit uh, neurotic. <laughs> but that's just the way it is. And uh, I think basically it was, uh, on the whole, a wonderful life for me. And so in life, if we look at our world today, there seems to be like this frenetic pace that goes on. So it's totally different, opposite of what you're talking about. And it's also a life where youth is just uh, kind of epitomized. And there's always that feeling of wanting to look like you haven't aged, and that which is fine if you're only 18 and 20 and 25. But, but if people try to emulate that as they get you know, decades later, there, there's quite a problem there, isn't there? 
Yes, it's a complex issue, though. Um, my, my way of putting it and working it through in this book it goes back to my friend uh, who was one of my mentors, James Hillman, a wonderful psychologist. And he wrote early in his career, he said that um, all of us have youth and age with us always. It's like we, we have an element in us that's young and an element in us that's old. And at different times in our lives, and maybe even different times of a week, the youthful side might come out or the older side might come through. So I like that idea very much. I think that's that's probably the way it is. And as we get older, we can still be young, naturally, quite naturally. And I use the example of my father, who died at 100, and he was like 100 going on maybe 40. You know, he was very, very young for his age, and maybe that's why he lived to be 100. So... Um, what I'm saying, I guess, is that if we can have this aging, this this youth in, as we age that's in us, inside us, then I think that that's the kind of youthfulness that we need. And if you don't have it, we tend to then try to paste it on from outside. Um, I do think that if, if you have this youth in you, you can um, do things to try to look young. You know, you can... I don't know, dye your hair or get some plastic surgery or really try to build up your body. You can do those things in a way that's not uh, harmful or or, or uh, too much, looking excessive. If you don't have the youth in you and all you do is do it externally, I think people see through that and they don't really feel your youth. They see you trying to look young. They don't see you as being young. And then there's that a kind of a comical aspect to it. And uh, where do we find ourselves? We've lost ourselves in that. Yes, because it's really important to own your own age. That's what I say all the time. When I give workshops now or lectures on it, I tell people, I say, I'm 77, how old are you? I, I was actually talking to a group of psychologists recently, and I told them to tell each other in the audience how old they were. And afterwards, I asked them what the experience was like, and one of the psychologists told me, she said, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to tell anybody how old I was. And uh, so that's honest, but it, it lets us know that it's, it's uh, emotionally difficult to really own your own age sometimes. And uh, I think it's important as a, as a starting point. You don't, have to, you don't want to feel old all the time. Uh, but you do have to anchor whatever you do to be young. You have to anchor it in your actual age. And perhaps if we accept as we age, wisdom can come along. Not to say that young people don't have wisdom as well, because I think that they do. But as we age, often there's just such a wealth of wisdom that comes. Uh, and, and to be able to embrace that and be proud of it. Be proud of it and use it. I think that uh, as people get older, they would feel so much better if they actually use their, their knowledge. It doesn't have to be necessarily wisdom, although wisdom is really valuable and important. could be information they have, you know, a skill that they could teach to somebody else. Uh, people who retire have skills and so much experience. It could be something very simple, like let's say carpentry. That's not so simple, actually. But to have carpentry skills and to be able to teach people uh, that because they've got these skills. I, I know people in our area who are retired and they teach uh, teenagers things that they know from their own life. 
And you know, of course, when you do that, you're not just teaching them your skills, but indirectly or maybe invisibly, you're teaching uh, younger people how to be, how to live, uh, because you're just showing yourself and maybe maybe letting them know how much you love the skills that you have and the work that you've done. All of those things are so important for younger people, and I think the older people benefit a great deal from uh, teaching something to the young. Oh, yes. It's an incredible relationship for both parties. And that's a way, isn't it, for, say, a, a retired person then, having that skill, that talent to share it also demonstrates to the younger person Life doesn't end at some age like choose 65, but here's this person who, like yourself, is 77. These persons who might be in their 80s are still doing these things, working in their 90s even, I've read. Yes, I think young people can learn so many things from people who are older, especially, I think especially so if um, if the older person loves what they're doing and can and can appreciate the life they've had and the skills they have. I think a lot of times people when they get older think that everything it's all over, you know, by the time you end your job. Um one one story I tell I really like in my book is of a lawyer who really loved being a lawyer all his life, but then he retired and quickly discovered that just almost by accident that he could use his skills to help young musicians who were trying to develop and uh, perform in people's homes, and he developed, uh, you know, he, he learned how to how to help these people. And he, the way he talked to me, I had the feeling that this was really a second career for him, although it was full of joy and fulfillment because he he was able to have that interesting relationship of the old person to the young person and help them out with his own knowledge. And the way a person can do that, and I think we are made so much better aware through Ageless Soul, the lifelong journey toward meaning and joy, we can learn and experience ways that we can embrace this in our own life. If we've not done it, if we're looking to do that sort of thing, you really give us some some great guidance here, I believe, Thomas. Well, you know, I write as a therapist. Um, Some people write ideas some people write just their own experience like a memoir i write as a as a psychotherapist really i um i know some people uh, put that down as self help that they don't, they don't you know that kind of a genre is not very respected but i like it i t- i take uh, someone like ralph waldo emerson a great american writer as my model who can write about these issues of how to get along in life without making it too um, I don't know, too too practical or too too advice giving, but more like reflection and and based on a lot of study on what it means to be a human being and how to get along. So that's what I do. I write as a therapist, and I do give uh, many many um, suggestions of how to age as we go along. And I'm right there with you. I feel self help genre has been just life-giving, life-saving for me, because it, it it just is a way, if one doesn't go into therapy, hasn't an opportunity to, is to be able to do a lot of reading and uh, self-help that way. Well, yes, it's, you know, reading is kind of a conversation. 
um, it's very interesting as a writer. I mo- I have read most of my books onto uh, you know tape we call it. I mean you know for recordings and yes. um, and I I realize when I'm reading my book that I'm actually speaking to my reader. I know that of course when I write, but when you speak it, you really know that you're it's your actual voice that's in, engaged. So yes, it's a conversation. I think it's a good idea when you read to listen to the voice of the writer and know that, and have your own ideas, so you really do make it a conversation. And I concur. The book is truly lovely. The way that it's written, it just feels like we're having a conversation. It, it feels so companionable. I'm so glad to hear it because that's my, that's my goal. <laughs> you have achieved that. So I am... I am grateful that I have this book, and I really do encourage others to pick up their own copy because there's just such important awareness. Again, when we talk about ageless soul, ageless is not a number, and as we mentioned earlier on, that aging happens right from birth. It's just a, it's a process, isn't it? It's a process, and... There is an aspect of ourselves that is not affected by time. That's what I mean by timeless or ageless. That we don't have to always think how old I am and, and identify entirely with how old you are. When I, when I uh, do my work or when I look in the mirror or when I'm out with people, I, I always think I'm about 42. You know, that's my actual age. And uh, I think that's fine. I really don't identify with a 77-year-old. That's a, he's kind of a stranger to me yet. I have to grow into that. But at the same time, I, I think there is what psychologists call a subjective age, or there's a deep age that is, that is uh, free of time. And that's what I mean by being ageless. Ageless. And, and the soul part, too, is right within that realm, isn't it, that... Because some people may not relate to soul, but it's the part of us that is really forever. Well, yes, I I, I, have, I feel strongly that it's important to keep in mind this idea of a human soul. It's an old idea, I understand that, but, you know, it's been around for a long time. Uh, people have written about the soul for centuries and centuries. Very, very interesting, very educated people have written about the soul. In our world... We tend to be materialists. We, we, we're materialists about life and about the human experience. And so we always think of ourselves as physical beings and, and reduce everything to the brain. That This really bothers me when I hear people saying that the brain is responsible for who we are. We've got to push further than that and realize that there's some invisibles in our lives. And one of those is the soul. Just as love is invisible but very real, the soul, our depth, and that deep place from where we live is also very real. And I feel this gives us an opportunity to touch on what you do in the book somewhat, too, is that uh, this book, Ageless Soul, is about the person, but it's also on a larger scale. It's, it's our, our country. It's our world. It's our planet. Yes, you can't really talk about the soul, I, I hesitate to say human soul, without including animals, places, you know, nature, the natural world, but also cities. A city has a soul. Um, I have visited Seattle so many times, and I, I know that Seattle has its own character, its own personality, 
when you are walking the streets, sort of, which I love to do, I, I know that I'm nowhere else. And I know that there are certain things that I can explore there that I can't explore anywhere else. I can have feelings and emotions I can't have anywhere else. So even the city has a soul. A country has a soul. And uh, so every time, whenever I talk about age and aging, I'm also thinking about those things. And and I think it it's so important for us uh, as time goes on to really acknowledge that because uh, w- without that, you know, the, who knows where it can a- end up. Nature, I think, is always resilient, but will we have the kind of planet, will the soul be there in future generations? It's a great worry right now. It's a great concern. And that's why I keep talking about the soul. I'm hoping that if people can deepen their sense of who they are, they will deepen their feeling for the world. And the very first thing you do, once you begin to realize that you are you are a mysterious being full of potential that you can't even see, the first thing you do, I think, is recognize that the world, the planet you live on and the natural world around you is you. It's, it's who. It's you. It's part of you. It's your body in a way, and you had better protect it, just as you protect your own health. You've got to protect it. Yes, it, this is the opportunity we have uh, with ageless soul is to really see that interconnectedness that we have with each other, with all living beings. That's the soul, isn't it? I think true, yes, I think that when you get older, uh, naturally, quite naturally, your sense of self expands. And you don't, you're, not, you're not driven so much to achieve an identity. You're not so heroic in that. And therefore, you, you are closer to nature. It's an expansion of self that is a, quite uh, easy in a way, quite natural for an older person as you get older. And you want to spend more time in nature, I think, when you get older for that reason. I mean, you should do it, obviously, all your life to get ready. That's part of aging. But the expansion of self, I think that's an important part of of aging. And here in this lovely book, this wonderful book, Ageless Soul, opens us up again in such a, I feel, an easy way. Uh, I, I... don't think it could be otherwise, but maybe if someone isn't quite ready to acknowledge it, it might be a bit challenging, but I don't think so. I think you help us, Thomas More, to really approach this in, in such a, a gentle and easy way and to be thoughtful about it. You, you give us such great food for thought. Well, yes, that's my, my whole idea, you know, of writing is to spend a lot of time, as I have all my life, studying. I read philosophy, I read theology, I read great mystics, and all of these things that most people don't, you know, don't, don't read, don't study. And then I, what I do is try to take what I get from all of that and present it in my own books in a way that an ordinary person can pick up and understand. I come from a family of plumbers. You know, I don't come from a, a family of intellectuals. It's very natural for me to feel very identified with an ordinary person. And I try to make my, my, my ideas, which can be very complex, and I want to, I want to make them accessible. Uh, I don't want to write down, but I want to make them accessible to an ordinary reader. Well, 
from my perspective, you've hit a home run in that regard. Great. <laughs> and so the book, Ageless Soul, of course, available at all of our favorite book sources, correct? Yes, of course. And let's mention your website, another wonderful resource and uh, a, a great place to explore. Yes, my website is uh, thomasmoresoul.com, thomasmoresoul.com. And uh, my son-in-law has made that for me. He's very gifted and I try to keep at it, to try to keep it up to date, and, and uh, I will be providing more and more uh, videos and writing of my own on it as time goes on. Well, what I have seen is really wonderful, and uh, so a great place to visit, but first and foremost, Ageless Soul, it's important to have our own copy and to really place ourselves in this, on this important path and journey. So, well, thank Thomas, you very much for, for that, and... Uh, I do hope that people uh, find the book and, uh, you know, get back to me and tell me what they what they think about it. There's the invitation. Let's make sure that we do take you up on it, right? Yes, please. Yes. Well, many thanks for spending this time with us this morning. It's been most rewarding and wonderful, and I'm so grateful for you. Well, thank you, Kate. I've, I really enjoyed speaking to you. You understand what I'm trying to do, and that makes all the difference.